right, and welcome to another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. I'm here with Farah Williams and Eartha Pond, and I'm Beck Smith. This week, we've got a lot going on in the sense that it was the International Women's Break, and we have, we're going to do a roundup for you. We have a halftime team talk with a very, very special guest, quite possibly the second best pundit that will come into this room today. And we will be talking about pressure at major tournaments, among other things, because we tend to go off on random tangents, don't we? So it's life. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Let's kick it off with the International Women's Roundup. I mean, I guess we have to start with England beat Japan 4-0. Farah, thoughts on that game? Impressive. I think impressive because... It was a disjointed backline, given the injuries to Lucy Bronze and Alex Greenwood. Um, a couple of young players came in, um, and it was a dominant performance. I was I was a bit surprised by Japan, if I'm honest. Normally, very good in in possessing the ball. Um, I think they were to start the game. I think England struggled a little bit, but once we adapted to their style of play, they played with a false nine. Um, once we adapted to that, I think we dominated. Um, the game and yeah, four goals against yeah. a very good Japan team. Interesting moving forward. We seem to not know how to lose. I actually really did not enjoy playing Japan during my Me career. Neither hated yeah. it. I don't think I touched the ball against <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, New Zealand. Yeah, that was. I think probably one of my least favorite games in the World Cup was playing in Japan, just because of their technicality and their possession style of play. And for England to get four goals, that is that's big. That's huge. And doesn't doesn't that just show, I guess, the development of England to be able to test and rotate new players against a team like Japan like who's who's won the World Cup and again young players getting the opportunity against big oppositions usually it's about maybe the, against North Macedonia or those mm. sorts of yeah, teams yeah. but actually people making full starts against Japan just shows how far the squads come and individual players that actually what I think is really nice is the manager has the trust to be able to put them out there like an age is not not a problem if if yeah. you're playing well and you're good enough to face an opposition such as Japan she's going to put you out there to to do the thing so yeah it was really nice to to see that and to see some new goal scorers um Jess Park came on and yeah. two touch two touch football see this is what you get <laughs> two touch football scoring yeah. goals um and yeah like Farrah said having that that rotation of of the back line is really important because I think Yes, where you have this, the same goalkeeper, that's always nice. But then to sort of lead that line in front of you, again, that communication channels wouldn't have been too, I guess, they wouldn't have been used to that in terms of the different personnel. So to be able to still have a clean sheet, I think that was really, really important in terms of that international development. Yeah, that's a good shout. And also the back line was an interesting one, having Rachel Daly at right back. Farah, you had mentioned that as well. Is that somewhere that we prefer her playing? Do we like her there? She can obviously play up top as well, which is what she does in the NWSL, what she did in the NWSL League when she was playing in America. What's your preference on Rachel Daly? I mean, first of all, I just, I've just really enjoyed seeing her come back and play. She just mm -hmm. brings such an enthusiasm. I don't know if it's the American mentality a little bit. We talked about that on like our first, second podcast, but she's just fun to watch, isn't she? It's the it's Leeds a, mentality. Yeah, Leeds mentality. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting debate. Um, I'm trying to look at it from an international point of view where, where I played there. I don't believe she's been given a chance as a number nine to see if she can establish herself yeah. as a number nine. Obviously, she's proven in NWSL, as you mentioned, she's scoring in the WSL on a return. But there is a, a big leap from club football to international football. And I think she's an established fullback now. I think she proved that through the Euro. Still got a bit to learn. It's quite difficult changing, you know, from a striker mentality in terms of your defending into a fullback. But I think her athleticism, her work rate and her attributes that she has, I think allows her to be a good fullback at international level. I'm not saying that she can't be an international striker. This is the debate. I, mm. I think she. she I think I personally think she would be a better international fullback than she would be an international striker. Mm. But she hasn't been given a chance. So I think she could she? have long should she? potentially, because, but like, she. I would love to see her at least try. Right. I think Especially she would have more games that are friendly. I think she would have longevity as a fullback in the England yeah. in, in, in national team, and I'm not sure that she will have that longevity and the rotation. You know, in that front line until they find you know a replacement for Ellen White. She'll have competition because I think, you know, certainly in our young attackers at the minute, we, we have we have a lot of oh good, you know, forward players. So, so I think good. there's that debate as, for her personally, it's frustrating. I, I get that because as a player, 
you want to play a position that you feel mm-hmm. that you can you, one you, it, it best brings out the, uh, the best in you and that you enjoy and I know that is a striker for Rachel but I think she's got competition in that forward line I think she has less competition in fullbacks and so can have longevity in that position mm. does she have that conversation though does she go and speak to Serena or is it like I know when we play we just enjoyed playing so mm-hmm. if, if your coach says oh play goalkeeper play centre back you're just playing and contributing to the team we saw that in terms of the Euro squad that everyone was together and the, the, the aim was to win the games and to win the Euros now though in terms of where she is in her career and coming back and she's on I guess over the hill in terms of going towards the back end of her career does she say this is what I enjoy doing can I can I have a try or does she just play you know the problem is it's a bit like and I can the only player that I can kind of see that plays similarly to, to her you, you look at James Milner and he was never able to really stamp a position both mm. at club and both at country mm. just because sometimes when you're that player that understands the game and is effective in many different positions sometimes it's quite difficult to establish that one position mm. fortunately or unfortunately for age she's played many of positions and mm. played in those positions consistently well mm. So now it's like if there's somebody in the team, so for example, Russo is playing as a nine, yep. you can't play her anywhere else other than a nine, yep. potentially you could play her in wide areas That's, of I a think front a big three. Issue. So she's not really adaptable in that way, whereas Rach can play. You can play yep. Rach anywhere on the pitch, Rach Daly, and she'll be able to do you a job. Mm-hmm. Not many players can do that. So it works for and against her. That's it. That's yeah. it. Because how many other players do you see on the international stage that can play multiple positions? So few. I, I can't think of any right now and even back when I you know I retired, which is a number of years ago when the game was not as developed as it is now. I can't think of any players and I want you wonder if that flexibility works as a disadvantage as well for her. I think for her she'll feel that, but for the team they won't or for the manager it's so because good. as a team she plays so good. for her as an individual you're quite selfish. You want to play a position that you enjoy the yeah. most that Does you get the most striker from it. the most she loves it is like that her favorite spot yeah it's her favorite spot i spoke to her mm. i said but she will play it anywhere because yeah. you, you know it's we all would yeah. Yeah. for the team yeah, yeah, so yeah, she she recognizes that but i know that she certainly doesn't enjoy playing as a fullback yeah well i, I really like the fact that park scored quite late as well in the game that was great it's great to see the young players getting in and getting on the score sheet and again we had uh, chloe kelly on the score sheet and ella toon again yeah again mm-hmm. i mean is ella toon shaping up to be one of the best players in the Women's World Cup next year in Australia and New Zealand? That's, that's a big statement. It's a huge that's statement. A <laughs> I have to take a second. To um, I can't see why not. Um, I think in terms of her development, she's been consistent in slowly kind of making that progress and getting better. What that looks like in terms of the international scene mm. on a world stage, um, I guess is, is yet to be seen, but there's a lot of great talent that's coming out from across the world. But if she's up there... I'll definitely be celebrating that. It's always great to have some English players up there um, leading the line, but she's a Man United player, so she's fantastic. And yes, the answer is yes. Wait, now it's Man United? <laughs> that was Tottenham? Yeah, no, but I'm Man U at okay. heart. Remember, right. Ryan Giggs is my... Oh, right. Yeah. He's, you were going to play right she behind a, him. Yeah. That's right. She does have a great chance of... of she's come back from the Euros on a high scoring a goal in a final exactly new you know, a new contract at Man United all of these things Man all United of a sudden the confidence when, when managers putting that confidence in you you're mm. scoring goals for club you feel untouchable and if she can continue with that same confidence and these same levels you know that she's performing at at the minute there's no reason she can't go to tournament you know and really push to, to start in that England team because let's not forget when England have the likes of Frank Kirby and everybody fit She's actually a player that comes off the bench. Mm-hmm. So she's been given an opportunity with injuries um, and she's taken it in terms of performing against a very good Japan team. I was impressed though. We've got to give a mention to Ebony Salmon. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just, a player that you love or hate, I guess she's a she's one of those players, she's quite raw. She's a raw player with, mm. with unbelievable pace and strength. She likes to play on the back shoulder. She's not somebody that in build-up phase, yeah. is that's not a strength of hers. Yeah. Um, and I know that for, for Serena a number nine is somebody that, that they need to link through so they they have to be good with, with their feet but but she's, she's different she's different to the strikers that mm. they have and I just thought her you know because in the past people have mentioned you know maybe maybe her fitness levels or her understanding of how to link with the team and I mm. think she came into into that game and, and made a difference she set up yeah. a Latoon's goal and then the, the energy and the, and, the, and the work rate to, to run down a ball that was a, a dead ball for, for Jess Park's goal in, in the 90th minute yeah, um, yeah. and to be so unselfish in those in those moments as a striker yeah. 
I thought uh, w- was very good. Even Jess said she thought, I thought she was going to shoot. That's <laughs> yeah. what Jess said. Yeah. Um, but I think, do you know what I like about Emily is she's always ready. Mm. Like when she comes on, like... Fire. F- like fire. <laughs> like if it's three minutes, if it's a 45 minutes, she's coming on and she's ready to try and like do the best for the team, try and get a goal. And she just enjoys playing it. It reminds me of, you know, when you're playing like World Cup and then it's like your turn to come on in like 60 <laughs> seconds and you're literally yeah. trying to do everything within that time. Yeah. Like she's someone who consistently shows up yeah. and delivers her best or tries to deliver her best at, at all times. So, yeah, I think like Farrah said, in terms of that linking up bit, that's again, that something that she needs to learn and will come with time and, and with games. But yeah when she she definitely deserves to be in and around the squad she definitely definitely deserves to be given the opportunity to show what she can do um and i think that going across to america is allowing her to develop a different side of her game so yeah mm. really exciting player. england just looking very very strong uh, i think across all accounts going into the world cup preparations and the world cup next year and another two teams that uh faced up in this last week was usa and germany so they had two games back to back and really close back to back this is like one of the closest games or or let's say the least amount of time in between games that I've seen in a long time. They played on Thursday and they just played again on Sunday. So USA lost to Germany uh, on Thursday, one to two in the US. And that was the third straight loss for the US. Mm. And they have not lost a game. We talked about the US mentality early on in this podcast. They haven't lost three games in a row since 1993. Yeah. I mean, think about that. There's just the mentality to be able to come back. And also, it ended their 71-match unbeaten at home run. And that's going to really piss them off. But I I love that. I think in terms of, like, where they are in terms of their development, for their management and their players to be able to take risks like that because they're going through a transition and not worry about those statistics and knowing that actually we're going to have to sacrifice a few things in order to go forward, I I think it's brilliant that... Yeah, that they were that they weren't scared to do it. They've got young players coming through, and they know for the long run, they have to do that development piece. They have to give people game time mm. so that actually, when those big tournaments, they're ready. When maybe in Paris and, and looking forward, they're ready. But they know they're in a, in a transition at this current moment in time. And yeah, be able to, outstanding teams will take those risks, and they're happy to do that. So. Yeah. See, I'm not sure. I hear what you're saying, and I agree. Like, I think these are the these are the moments before the World Cup where you should be trying new teams. You should be trying new ways of playing. But for me, I think the U.S. team just looks really disjointed. And I think there's been a lot of criticism against Vlatko and Dovnovsky, mm-hmm. uh, the head coach, because you know he just the team doesn't look like they're working together and they've been saved by the brilliance of a Mallory Pugh who's you know really young and again Sophia Smith MVP of the league and MVP of the champions championship game which we spoke about two two weekends ago saving the day but it's it's moments of brilliance for me it's not the team playing no, you're, you're as a team. saying that that they look disjointed are they not disjointed if you look at from the governance level if you look at what's happening in terms of their football they are disjoint show me where they're not disjointed that's the reality of it. So in order for them to build and go forward, yes, in terms of the performance and the product, that's what everyone else sees. But if the foundation ain't right, it, mm. it is disjointed. Like they've got to put their hands up and say, we're in a bad place right now and we need to rebuild. That's what we're seeing play out on the pitch. And they've got to develop and spend more time, like we talked in terms of the governance and getting the football right as a national organisation and as a sport. And then the product will do its bit at the top end. But They've got to sort out where what's happening. And, and you're referencing time. the Pam Yates report. Sorry, mm-hmm. if I, you're yeah. referencing the Pam Yates report, which we did talk about um, really early on as well in the podcast uh, in one of our halftime team talks, um, just in terms of the sexual abuse and the scandals that have come out because U.S. soccer has done an, an independent investigation into all of that. Mm. Do you think they have to do a complete transformation in terms of, you know, they still have a few of the old crop of senior yeah. players that are still there. Mm-hmm. And like some Morgan, there's a couple of them still yeah. within the squad. Pino, mm-hmm. They're still, yeah, but yeah. So there's still a couple of those players Sarah. and most of most of them have, have gone and, and, and are transitioning. Do you, do you feel that they need to, in order for them to really grow and develop and allow these young players to feel comfortable in that environment, that old mentality, not, I'm, I'm not saying the mentality is wrong, the mentality has always been right in that USA team, mm-hmm. but I'm saying those players and the way how they feel that these younger players are coming through. And, and you've heard plenty of the, the older players yeah. talking about, you know, they need to appreciate what's come before, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they, didn't, they need to be taken away from the squad to allow these young players to really evolve and feel comfortable within that environment? 
It's a good question. I mean, sorry, I'm going to jump in here because if you look at who scored the goals, I mean, Pino out from an Alex Morgan assist, and these players are still some of the best players on the pitch for me. I think that they're disjointed massively in the midfield, and I think that they miss Julie Ertz, who's one mm -hmm. of the older players. I actually think that the older players, they don't have enough of these players playing consistently. Crystal Dunn just coming back from having her child, Julie Ertz, massively miss. She used to play the position of three, four players in there cleaning up everything. And now you've got a young player mm. in there um, who's not really doing the same job as her, but they're keeping the same shape. Mm. You know, rather than having two in front of the back line, they're trying to keep one, which Julie Ertz could do. But now, I mean, they, they're not... They're not performing in that yeah. same level. No, I, mean. I no, I do agree. I just, I'm just trying to think about when when England went through that transition, and, and mm. I was am, yeah, amongst yeah. some of those older players that were let go. And you know, certainly, we'll always, as athletes, we're always going to, and certainly when you've played at the top for mm. so long, you're always going to think, regardless of your age, that you're still able to perform at those levels. Yeah, like and, we could still play. And if so, we I, well, I still to, say right? that you yeah, know, Serena wants World to call Cup up. I, I, yeah, I honestly believe I could still play. So <laughs> what I'm saying, it's like when the Ronaldo situation. We always still think we can have an impact in in the game, right? And we always yeah. still think we can play and perform at those high levels. And there's no question that they can't. Morgan's, you know, score. I'm sure was she, was she top goal scorer in the NWSL or, or at least there or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the regular season. Yeah, it, they're in the team of the year. So I'm not saying that they're not performing. I was in team of the year the year that I then wasn't called for England right so it's not that you can't perform at that level but at some point you have to transition yeah. and at some point you can't rely on these older players and there is younger energy around you you feel yep. it as an older player you start unfortunately to think, yes you start, <laughs> but, but as older players you start to think of your head yeah and these younger players don't think with their head until they get to our age and yeah. then they start to think or so I, I don't know I just think that maybe although those players are scoring and performing well still is it a time where they you know US go look we need to thank you goodbye and we move on and, mm. and really shift that that group of players I think that it's probably the time that they do that if they want to go to the World Cup next year I don't think they need Arapino and, and, and Morgan within their squad if they want to go to the World Cup next so, year and do well so it's a big well. statement yeah, so, having none, sure. so having none of them that as in like I don't a think brand none new secondary you still have, Haran, you still have, you, you still have um, what's her name who's the, the, the little midfielder the number 10 who was at Man City I can't think of um, no no Haran not, not Haran who's that one Lavelle, oh, Lavelle. Lavelle. So they still yeah. I'm not yeah. saying Crystal Dunn like these players these are players that I think that you would still keep within that squad. Mm. But I'm just saying, like, when you're relying on, on, on Morgan to get your goal, the they, they've ones. got better, younger, like, or, or, or fresher, energetic, Hungrier, younger, yeah. hunger, hungry players that want to prove a point. Rapino there, and you still, as a young player, they will be feeling that pressure from them senior players that have been there, done it, won the World Cup numerous amount of times. Mm. It's pressure for those young players to live up to. When they're out of their environment, all of a sudden you become free. And I feel like that's what happened with the England yeah, team. That makes sense. And they went on to win the Euros. It's, it's been all open, honest, and transparent of about course. it, though. And this, and this, and I think this is a problem in, in women football we, we tend to hold on for just a lot of the time a little bit too long yes. and we're not brave enough to take risks of course um and I guess you, you feel maybe sometimes you have that friendship and you've built up that relationship and actually they could technically still be there so why take the risk with someone new mm -hmm. bring them in because actually we're starting to develop that next phase of player and, and you have to say okay this the older players maybe have done their stint and they're given just as much as what a new young player can, but we've got to be brave enough in order to allow that allow that to take place. So yeah. I, I think this is one where we would like to hear from you guys. What what do you think? What do, what are the fans of the balls, bras and boots? What is it? <laughs> where are we? How are you getting What's that balls and bras? Come on, boots, balls and bras. It's sat on your cup in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> boots, balls and bras podcast. And these are on sale two ninety nine guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we want to hear what you guys think about this too, because clearly you're watching the games also all around the world. And looking at some of the other games that have happened um, this past week, France beat Norway 2-1. to one. Um, Asai scored again. She's obviously playing here in the, um, in the WSL uh, for West Ham. And also New Zealand lost to Korea Republic. Um, they are obviously the co-hosts of the upcoming Women's World Cup next year. Were they playing the guitar? Oh, they lost. They <laughs> yeah, lost. The guitar. The guitar. Were they playing the guitar? The, the guitar. The no, they weren't playing enough, I think. <laughs> they lost in my hometown too, Christchurch. Um, and actually, do you know what? They looked decent. Like Olivia Chance had a couple really good chances at the end of the game. Um, and I have to say, I'm, I'm quite, I was quite impressed with the New Zealand squad, which I hadn't really been up until this game. Or um, until they lost to the Australian team. No, you're not going to mention that defeat. Which one? Didn't they lose to Australia? Who did, Who did Australia just beat? Australia beat Sweden. Oh, Sweden. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, we won't talk about a New Zealand Australia matchup because that those are never fun. It's but just, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, New Zealand lost to Korea, and Korea Republic will be here next year as well for the Arnold Clark Cup, so you guys can see them in action here in England. But yeah, you mentioned Australia beat Sweden 4-0. That's actually, mm. that surprises me because I think, I mean, they were at home, Australia, and the crowds in Australia are good. But Sweden, I still think, is a top, they are a top five team. Ranked mm. in the world, they are top five. But I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if they didn't bring all their players. We they, saw Yeah, the squad was different. I the saw the, line, was, uh, the, the lineup looked younger. There, mm-hmm. there was a few players, I mean, um, who retired after the Euros? The centre half, I can't think of her name, played against her so many times. I forgot. She retired anyway. They had a couple yeah. that retired. And Sager weren't there, who's been key. Sager, you know, the captain for, for yeah. since I can remember. She's been there forever. I, she I wasn't, don't know how she old she is. She's she must be 50 at She's least. my age. Yeah. <laughs> or year <laughs> there younger. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there was a few players that weren't there from from the Sweden squad that went to the Euros this, this yeah. summer. So it's interesting. Are they in a transition now? Are they thinking about these younger players? There was a hell of a lot of uh, WSL players in, in that team that started. And mm-hmm. who scored all the goals yeah. was Kerr, Ford times two, and Mary Fowler. Mary Fowler's only 19 See, that's old. in the Australia team. I'm talking yeah. about the Sweden team. I think there was about oh, eight players right. in that Sweden yeah. starting 11 that play in the WSL. Amazing. So, and then there you go, all the goal scorers, there you uh, go. WSL players as well. So wow, that's the impact really our league's having on these players coming to play so exactly what I mentioned so yeah. we're developing other nations, other nations <laughs> and our You're youngsters welcome. are not going to get the, the well are getting limited chance to mm. play at mm. that highest level and when England are going to need to do that transition of that players going out and coming in they won't have had that match time experience so on an international really level and competing mm. so. because Mary Fowler who I was just mentioning she's only 19 years mm, old and she's one of my favorite players and she right she plays for Man City and watching her in the Olympics I just thought wow she there's something there she's an incredible player mm. but she's as a 19 year old being able to come into the WSL league which is why if you haven't listened to our team talk from last week we talked about the championship as well and the, the importance of that but I think that's all we have time for for international uh, match week we're going to head into our halftime team talk millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Now. All right, this week's halftime team talk with boots, balls, and bras. We are very, very lucky to say that we have, you know, one of one of the best TV pundits behind Farah, in front of uh, Farah. I'm not sure yet. I'll take that. <laughs> Rio Ferdinand, OBE in the house. You got a few extra letters there. Thank you very much. You Thank did, you. Did. Thank you. How are you doing, guys? You yeah, right? I've been looking forward to coming on, actually, I've got to be honest. Yeah. Hopefully, get our listeners up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I f- it feels very strange doing an introduction of you to people who don't know you, having played for Man United in England for a gazillion years. Um, but we wanted to come bring you on to chat about a topic that has come up actually already in our podcast about pressure. And Billie Jean King said, "Pressure is a privilege," and that always stuck with me when I was playing. But we want to talk about the pressure that we think, or we want to know. The women obviously won 
the women's Euros this past summer, the Lionesses mm -hmm. here in England. Does that add pressure to the men's squad going into the World Cup in Qatar? Is that something that they talk about? Is are women anywhere on this on the in the conversation? I don't know if it adds pressure. It might it might do, but I think more there's going to be events that the women's team and the men's team are going to be at, or individuals, and that feeling of is it insecurity or you'll be definitely sitting there like side-eyeing, like thinking, oh, they're one up on us. <laughs> that competitive edge will be there, 100%. I would. And I, and I know that when I played that the, the women's teams... Um, Don't say we weren't good enough because I was in that era. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the women's teams and the men's teams in terms of exposure yeah, different. was yeah. very different yeah. compared to... It's closed that gap massively now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the women's team have gone and said, right here, this is how you do it. And so they have, they have an argument in the room, not that there will be, but if there was to be a conversation, they could quite comfortably sit there as England players and go, okay, what have you done then? Yeah. And it's never really been that close. Mm. It was interesting. You know I was going to go on your uh, And I was saying, I was interesting because I was reading something that before the Euros, the England players went into the women's dressing room mm. and told them how their experience was, how it was getting to the, to the final and kind of gave them advice. I think mm. now the women's won it. I'm not too sure if that advice is, is the same, like you said, in terms of the scale and the, en the entertainment level in terms of the World Cup on the men's side, it's so much bigger. I think where does that leave our England team in terms of, I guess, our domestic players and what that transitions outside of just the national team? Like mm. you said, those conversations in those different spaces and that competitiveness. It'll be I still think to from see. a club perspective, cool. they wouldn't, I don't think the, the dial would have moved that much. Mm. But the, it's England, it's the national team where, you know, mm. that dial has gone woof and yeah. the shift is huge, I think. And so I. Gareth Southgate could, would do well in getting a few of the girls to come in or, or the manager at least and having a conversation I'd be surprised if he hasn't had a conversation at least with a manager mm. you know what I was going to say on, mm. on that because it's interesting we, you know I've, I've seen a couple of people who are laughing are oh, the men when they spoke to the women before the tournament and we've gone and won it those experiences that them men would have shared from experiencing it only a year previous to the women going to a, mm. you know hosting a home Euros would have been massive. Mm. You think you got mm. you, you got England men and they're under even more intense pressure than what the women are in terms of the product that yeah. they have, right? So you're playing in a home Euros. The expectation of the men is far greater than the women to achieve. And they've come in and spoken and, and kind of given some of their feedback as to what they were feeling, things they tried to block out going mm. into, into the tournament. And it got to a final. That's massive. That little, now the women have gone and done that and you've seen the support, the men were there. I'm sure they'll take some of those learnings from the women anyway. You've seen mm. them there supporting them throughout the tournament. Yeah, that was And cool. I'm sure they, they, they will use that. They will use what they've seen of the women. And I'm sure if Southgate's got anything about him, which, which I think he has, mm. you know, I, I remember doing something with him before the men's Euros and said to him, have you spoke to Serena about the Euros? Because she'd won it previously with uh, the Netherlands. And his, his comeback to me was, she, um, she should be telling me how to do things because obviously they've mm. won mm. Or, or the Netherlands had won. So I'm sure off the back of the women winning, he'd be mm. stupid not to, you yeah, know, definitely. take any sort of advice from her. Because I think not just the women's coach, she's a fantastic manager anyway. Is, take yeah. out whether you're coaching men or women. I'm sure Human she could. manager. She's yeah. just, uh, she's got great man management. But so is Southgate. His yeah. man management skills yeah, and the group buy into what he's doing. I'd question sometimes the tactics <coughs> sometimes and how defence-minded we are. But mm. I'm sure they'll take something from that. You've got to be what, stupid what, not what to, What are right? the big differences between the men's and women's games? Like, like, do you want I, to be I, honest or lie? This is an honest show, no? What do you think? Like, what are your... There's loads, Rio. I just yeah. think uh, I think exposure, obviously, and, yeah. and money, money. The resources is yeah. huge, a huge difference, and that drives um, the, the quality of the product. Um, yeah, investment is definitely one of one of the main things. Mm -hmm. But also, um, in terms of if you're looking technically and in technical part of the game, I think there's still a huge gap in terms Massive. of speed, pace, um, even technical ability. Um, but as a product. Again, I'm, I'm separ I separate club and country. Mm -hmm. um, and and when, as a product, the international teams and, and tournaments have been like nothing short of like, um, they, they galvanized and brought the country mm -hmm. together like nothing else we've ever seen, mm -hmm. almost. So um, in that sense, it's, it's, it's been great. But I'd like to know what you guys, as, as people that have played the game as well and now watch it. I, I just got a question in terms, of, in terms of the product. So when you played at club level, was the, I guess, the professionalism exactly the same as when you went to England in terms of resources, etc.? There's a difference. I see, I, I, I think it's, it's flipped in the women's game to the men's that mm. I played. Mm. I always used to feel that at club, yeah. there was something stronger about the club mm -hmm. because you're there every day and you build those relationships and 
the the connection with the fans. Um, whereas the women's game seems to me that there is a good connection and all them things do happen at club level, but mm. then it goes, it's amplified again at international level. Exactly. So that's, that's, the, that's the problem. The money's always in the women's game has come from the FA in yeah. England. And so mm. when you was an England player, when you go there, I mean, the treatment that you got there in terms of, and, it, and it's silly little, silly travel, little thing, travel, like that, yeah. training yeah. pitches that you play on, the stadiums that you go and play in, the amount Change of medical rooms. staff that are there. Mm. there. There's just so many, that, that, like the kit, like in terms of your meals being, you know, you get your meals for you. Mm. All of these things, that they take every type of worry or whatever I'm, I'm saying worry because mm-hmm. when you played at club you had to worry about how much money have you got to get your food mm. traveling to, to places kit all of these things that England go well we'll give you free pair of boots we'll give you this we'll give you that and all those kind of money worries that mm. you would have at club level you don't have it in a national mm. and, and when you're talking about the difference between the game when you go away with England as a lioness you have all this and you play the game steps up and you go back to your club level and domestically like you said in terms of resources the players oh. around you it then drops, drops back down to where the product mm. that everyone else sees on a normal day-to-day weekly basis yeah. is that needs not to as be bought like that exactly but until we are, you mentioned you said there before about the technical ta- uh, and, and speed and pace and power the gap there I think certainly with pace and power will always be a massive gap anyway mm. in terms of physicality that will always be the difference between yeah. but we never we always whenever you hear a female talk they'll only ever say that's the difference between a men and a women there's a massive technical. gap, technical Ten. gap between technical. the men. The only thing I would say that the women have, similarly to the men, is their game understanding because it's drilled into you. Tactically, mm. it's mm. drilled into you. Watch his back, watch his back, watch his back. Technically, we don't do enough and we haven't had enough. We haven't got enough of the, the best coaches to work with you individually mm-hmm. and we haven't been exposed from it from a young age. Yeah. I still say, you know, people talk about oh, the impact of the Euros and, you know, we need to invest in grassroots. We need to invest in academy. Mm, Our academy right. girls train at, in an evening from seven till nine for two hours with a parent or with, a, with, with you know that's probably been at work nine to five have those pressures of jobs they're not their sole focus isn't making these girls better in two hours and by the time they get there they're probably only getting an hour of, of, of coaching and is the coaching good at some clubs maybe but you think three hours of exposure to coach the football that is coached mm-hmm. how are they going to get any better how are they going to get anywhere near the men yeah. like I've always said like I'd love a five-year-old to start on the same path to a, a five-year-old boy and girl and they go on the same path. They do exactly the same training all the way through until they're 16. Mm. And then let's let's see what the main differences are in the men and the women's mm. game. Yeah, and that, you can't you can't compare me. them. I, I hate the fact we always compare them. Stop comparing them. Yeah. The men are far better than the women. That's just facts. Mm. Mm. It's yeah. that, and they've and they've had the exposure to that. You what? Uh, what it's the touches. The same like, you've had so many yeah. touches. I mean, that, that's he probably had me. more. Rio probably had more touches yeah, yeah. from the age of five. To, to, to 16 than I did from the age of five until I retired at 38. Yeah, but I think that's the mm. biggest thing. I mean, for me, the biggest difference, is, you mentioned it as one of the first things, is the broadcast because that's where, and having worked at FIFA, the biggest shift that happened was when the, all the broadcast money started coming in because that amount of money is what actually shifted the professionalism of the game. It's when they started having structures like international transfer and TMS, et cetera, et cetera. But all that money trickling down for me, never gets to that five-year-old girl either. So I had this one metaphor where it was like, if you have two seeds and you put one in the garden, and, and it's other oak tree seeds, you put one in the garden, you give it sunshine, you go out and you talk to it every day, you know, it gets rain, it gets water, it has different people coming and playing. You put the other one in a tiny little boots, balls and bras cup in, mug in your closet and you feed it whenever you can. You never really talk to it, it doesn't really get much, sun, much sunshine. And then 10 years later, you go outside and you go, look at this beautiful oak tree, we can play with it and kids can swing around on it. And you go into your closet and you go, oh, that weed hasn't really grown that much. It's like, well, no kidding. You haven't mm. put anything into that. And technically, girls and boys have exactly the same amount of potential when they're young. I agree. They're not going to be as fast. They're not going to be as strong. But if you look at other sports, and specifically in, in the U.S., where you have scholarships to Amer- to the American universities, there WNBA, is a, there mm. you go. Mm. You have a lot more investment in girls because they have the same opportunity to get the same number of scholarships, which is equal amount of money at the university level, and that's huge. But even the WNBF, you use that as a as a marker, is still way off in terms of um, exposure, exactly resources, and and then like even the technical ability. I'm sure is still a, a levels down from the men's game, but. I don't know. It, I think the finances are going to be a big driver in yeah. closing that gap. Huge. I think just as well in terms of that investment, there's two things for me. In terms of the exposure, it gives a bit more accountability in terms of players that are playing well 
people have don't have the choice other than to make sure they're in and around the squad and they're getting the opportunities that they can. But then when you talk about that opportunity around younger players, I think the ones who go to Centre of Excellence or Academies or RTCs, like you said, they're just getting drilled coaching. I think for the raw talent in inner cities that are still playing in the cages with the boys, I think they're developing even more than the ones that are they just They play more, that's, that's my yeah, point. They, they, so they, they play, play more, they probably out there every so day I in the cage. So I think the frustration for me is I who's in and around on the ground see it and I'm like that player is much better than mm, the academy, player that's course. in the academy but they ain't getting the opportunity resources, so they haven't got yeah. the resources so there's but where are we getting this pool of players from but, so cool. yeah but that's what that's what the men's game that's what mm. the, the men's game you talk to all the scouts all recruitment at young ages They're everywhere, mate. they want to yeah. go in the inner cities mm-hmm. and find the rawest kids who are in the cages etc you look at the, the amount of kids that have gone on to have careers you're one of them but is having the actual resources to get their recruitment teams in and around those areas. It's mm-hmm. almost impossible because there isn't enough. But yeah. even where they're putting their money, that's, that's, I mean, even going back to when I was at Charlton all them years ago, mm. the boys the boys academy team, they used to come on minibuses. So they used to get picked up here, there and everywhere. So Charlton are paying out for their drivers yep. to go mm-hmm. and pick up the academy kids that can't access the, mm. the centre or, mm. or, or get into the training ben ground Vico's because the parents same. can't get them there, whatever. Yeah. Mm. In the women's game, you can't get there. See you later. Mm. Like yeah. we had, a, we had a talent at. Um, no, you get Lucy. We had a talent at Reading. Go pick her, pick everyone no, up, I'm telling you. No, but we had a talent at Reading. A yeah. young girl that that could her mum couldn't bring her every single yeah. week. All of a sudden, yeah. it's like okay, bye. Yeah, that's we'll it. get somebody else. Well, actually, yeah. you're actually losing out on his talent. Yeah. Potentially, for me, could have been an England player. But Benfica player. was really similar, right? In Portugal, they're one of the biggest academies and producers of top talent. They'd sell. That's that's their model. That's their business model. And they they were telling me that they actually go and, and pick up players an hour and a half away, two hours away, yep. put take them back every evening. Mm-hmm. And when I asked about the girls, it was like they didn't even they didn't have an academy and they don't even yeah. train on. They have 15 pitches at this brand new spanking thing. But I think that's a main a major thing as well. And and also going back to the broadcast, I think the money comes from broadcast. That's the main like fiscal driver, I think, in football. But then also on top of that, if you don't have the exposure, if you don't have the visibility, this is the one thing that everybody <clears throat> keeps saying in the women's game. If you see it at a top quality level, you can't not like it because it is good quality now. You know, 10 years ago when, when I retired, arguably not great quality to watch. I didn't really watch a lot of women's football, to be really honest. But now it's really good. But we we don't get enough of that exposure at the highest level. And the women's Euros and these top tournaments are so important for that. And coming back to our, our main point of, you know, the pressure in the tournament and in World Cups, is that something that, you know, for you, you've been at three World Cups, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you feel, did you get the most visibility at those World Cups? Did you feel the most pressure because of the visibility at those World Cups? Yeah, but I was, I don't know, it's a bit unique when you play for Man United as well. Yeah. It's the biggest club. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like along with Barcelona and Real Madrid, every week there's expectations, there's no weeks off. Yeah. There's no days off at a club like that because there isn't the, the ability to hide away in the shadows of someone else and let them take the spotlight. It was just constant. But, the maddest thing is, right, I went away of England in 2002 and I was at Leeds. I was like Leeds captain at the time. Just got beat in a semi-final of Champions League. Go to the World Cup and I remember a few of the Man United players, there's rumours that Man United wanted to sign me. And um, the United players were saying, like, we're at a World Cup, by the way. Mm. Like, you know, really, like, it's big, it's big, like this World Cup and everything. But, you know, if you come to Man United, it's much bigger than this. Wow. Like, yeah. And mm. in the women's game, you couldn't say that about one club. No. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure that probably Real Madrid players probably say similar. Barcelona players probably, Bayern Munich players probably say similar mm. in a, in mm. when you're mm. talking about the national teams in comparison. So that was what, that was the, 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 the selling point from the players that were wanting me to go to their club were saying. And, and if I'm honest, it lived out. Mm. Like, we were in, um, where was we? We were in um, Japan and South Korea. Great, crazy fans, brilliant fans. And Bex was there at the height of his fame and stuff like that. And it was great. But Don't mind me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the original one, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But the, um, you go back to, to and, and the fans are flying about going crazy over, over him as well. But then you get to go to Man United and Bex is there as well. And it's like you, you put down steroids. It was crazy, and mm. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, mm. It was just mad. So there was a difference. Do you, st- do you think there is a difference? Like, look, these players in, in in the Premier League now, they play. I'm, I'm saying they play with fans' pressure, not in a probably not inner club pressure, or as much as. 
because it's not really a standout team. It's only really Man City that have probably that. If you can, and even that, if you try and compare it to the United team you played in, it's nowhere near that. But they play week in week out where the fans have the fans have that pressure on them to perform, get results. Right? Mm-hmm. Does it make it any easier going to England because they they experience you experience that you feel that every week. You're saying. You feel those pressures every week. As a female player, we don't experience those pressures at club level mm-hmm. as heightened as we do when we go and play for the national team because we put those ex- expectations on ourselves. And the so visibility. Is it, is it the same sort of pressure? Do you go to camp thinking that, that or do you feel a little bit more relaxed? I think it's different. Team? I mean, in my time, England was like a... The media and the, the, the football players for England's relationship was very fractured. Fail, didn't they? Yeah, so yeah. the way that they, we approached it was almost like from a defensive standpoint, immediately mm. with our backs up, mm. and it was us against them. Whereas now, that's where I think Gareth Southgate's been brilliant, that he's built a real bridge between the England football team, the fans, and the media, mm. and they're all unified now. Yeah. So it's a very different mindset of a player going now to the England camp, where when my, players in my generation going was like, a lot of them was like, they want to go. Mm. Mm. I'm flying for my club. And in the next 10 days, I could come back lower than a snake's belly wow. because of the media pressure and the difference that, the pressure that I'm going to get. So I'm having a good time in my club team. And I come back and all of a sudden, I can't perform now at my club at the same level because of the attention, the focus and negativity that surrounds the England team. So it was really different, whereas I think now the players go, they can't wait to go. And I think social media's played a big part. Mm-hmm. I've said this a lot of times in that the players now, they're all mates. A lot of them are growing up together, but then also... You like hate each other. Yeah, but, but, it's, it's, but they're only brought together because of social media. Yeah. They yeah. still only see each other probably three or four times a year in games if they're lucky. Mm. We were the same, but they're all connected on social media, so liking someone's picture means you're their mate now. Uh, so when I see you, it's like, what are you saying? You're right, yeah. you're right, I know you. Well, I don't know you, but how do you know them? I like to feel my pictures. We chat a little bit yeah. in the DMs and that. Mm. So the connection is like, they're so much more connected. Mm, that's and that's nice. one good thing from social media but our guys were never like that so the dynamic was so like one was over here on the spectrum and we were over there so interesting and what does where do you see yourself in terms of a role that you play obviously as a former international obviously you're not playing anymore do you feel like you have to pass the baton on and maybe giving some advice to that squad or is it literally you just leave it up to, to Gareth to do what, I think what he does? I think you have to leave it to them, innit? I mean, they, they'd say <laughs> surpass anything that we've done in an England shirt. Mm. Um, we, I, I, I'm, I like talking to players individually more about games and opponents and the way that it, they approach it and I do quite a lot of that behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, as a team, I... England international team, there's not much for me to be able to give these guys. They've 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 walked that path mm. and they've walked further in an England shirt. And so look you look at Harry Maguire with a stick that he's getting and mm. should he play, shouldn't he? But like if you look at him in an England shirt, he's done more than mm. all of the golden generation. Mm. Raheem Sterling the same. All of them boys have done more than what we done in an England shirt, but it's, uh, it's different eras, isn't it? I just changed subject. You know, like, you know, like, because, uh, not, not subject, similar to what Eva said, and as a former player, mm-hmm. and you talk about those pressures and whatever, like, you've been doing so much outside of just football and trying to, like, bridge gaps between things. And obviously, your documentary mm-hmm. around mental health, uh, sexuality, and racism within the game. Did you feel like pressure that, because of your platform and how big you are, that you could be at the forefront of actually trying to lead something, in, in, lead some change? Yeah, I just feel that. When Big up the documentary, by the way. I started yeah. watching it. Tipping Tip point. point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, if you watched it, watch it, please. You better watch it. Amazon. Nah, no, um, I watched it. It's, it was, it's, I just always, I've always been brought up to kind of be the type of person that if you've got a, a platform, platform, it goes back to your point before, if you've got a platform that can help transcend change or stimulate conversation on really big topics and good topics and worthwhile needed topics, mm. then that's a privilege. Mm-hmm. And you've got to utilize that. I think you've got a right, you've got a, you should utilize that. I don't think being given a platform that you could actually have some sort of change to move to dial on a topic or a subject matter that's really important and you don't do that, you don't use it, I think it's a waste of you having it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, because even on it, when you mentioned the, 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 the bit where you met with some, some common players and, and they spoke about needing a player to be at the, the forefront and take all that mm-hmm. criticism or backlash that will come with mm-hmm. it, you were like, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. So like you're prepared to put yourself out there for whatever backlash in order yeah. to try and make change. I'm not bothered about that type of stuff. Yeah. I've always been like, listen... Mm-hmm what can you do like you can't like you ain't coming in my house you know what mm. I mean you can say all the stuff and it's not, like not everyone's like that yeah. like, some people like haven't got the thick skin like to be able to turn off looking at things or seeing stuff and not letting it really impact mm. your life I, mm-hmm. I don't really care so I'm fortunate in that sense but 
if there needs to be someone that starts that come I'm not I wasn't sitting there I didn't do the documentary to say that I'm going to be the person that carries a torch and just carries on walking with it it was more I'll open a door and hopefully I can get the current players into the conversation at the table with the decision makers within our game because far too many decisions get made in the yeah. game mm-hmm. that the players who drive the whole thing yeah. have mm. no influence with. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really that so often really too, really. like from the very top level as well. There's mm. there's there's no player platform, there's no player perspective and yeah, it's it's certainly changing. But yeah, no, it's really I really f- interesting. I think for me, I have obviously obviously I've not got the platform that you've got, but what I have got is integrity. So in terms of my perspective, it's about how do I get around those tables where those decisions can be made or those discussions can be had and I think one key point like you mentioned in the documentary that we have to have some current players Mm. who are leading it but again it comes down to that sacrifice if we're looking like now where maybe there's a world cup or a big competition is their place in jeopardy like how does them speaking out then potentially impact what it is like in terms of their hopes and aspirations. So as a non, non-current player, yes, you can have those yeah. conversations. It's not going to impact you. You've got to be brave. You've got to be brave. Yeah. But who's willing to take, for me, who's willing to take that sacrifice? Because actually it's impacting everyone on a day-to-day basis. That's the but bit no where the American sport, isn't it? That's, where yeah. you mentioned it, it's so, so, so powerful, like yeah. where you asked that's anyone. That's why I went to, yeah, to, so, to LA and yeah. just to yeah. find out, like, how did the Americans do it? Because you see when mm. the, oh, there's issues in the NBA, they all get together. And arguably, outside of Cristiano Ronaldo and probably Neymar and Messi LeBron James is the biggest sportsman on the mm-hmm. planet yeah. yeah he doesn't go at these topics alone he mm. goes with a squad yeah. of players current players that say no we demand this or demand answers mm. for that we don't agree with this and they move the dial it happens so mm. and we have players like that we have players that are willing to talk Rashford for one mm. Sterling mm. Jordan Henderson are three that jump out off the page to me right now but they're all looking they're all attacking three different topics yeah, and when you go at something alone, you can't be exactly. as strong. You got to yeah, go as exactly. a group, and that was one of the key findings in doing this documentary for three years: is that a unified approach is better than a single person on their own approaching a topic. Well, that's really interesting too, because we talked about everything that's come out in the U.S. about sexual harassment and everything, and and actually the player unions were the ones that were driving a mm. lot of that, and and behind the force of demanding that there was an investigation in it. So, yeah, the players unions is is a big thing that's slowly changing, I think. But mm. I think we could talk about this topic for e- ever, but that's going to have to wrap up our halftime team talk. But you're not leaving yet. We're not okay. going to let you out. Okay. You know, you've already had your lunch, right? So <laughs> we want to talk about the um, the World Cup. So that's it for our halftime team talk. So you're not allowed to leave. And we would like to talk about the World Cup because that's coming up pretty soon, kicking off uh, in, on the 20th of November. Uh, you've been there three times. What do England need to do to win it? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I've heard a lot of people say oh, they've got to change and be more expansive. I've probably been guilty of saying that a couple of times as well. But then it's like they got to, to a semis and they got to a final play in a particular way. Why is he going to go against that? Mm, yeah. But they never got over the line. So just, I think, tweaks, small tweaks in getting the balance between conservative um, and on the front foot and a bit more expansive um, is the is the... The, the missing ingredient for this England team I think also trusting our creative players a little bit more would be great for me I think Jack Grealish everyone was screaming, screaming for him to mm. come on earlier in games you've now got Jack Grealish Madison Foden Mason Mount Saka Sterling and then Harry Kane as your Wilson, nine Rashford you've got them, them, them guys there who can create and we watch them every week create mm. but in an England team just seemed to be on a little bit of a, there's a restrictive mode that they're on a little bit. And I'd love to see that just eased off a little bit. Not not too much, because I think anything going crazy, we're not good enough individually at the back to be able to be exposed to too much 1v1 situations. Mm-hmm. So you know on that Rio, right? Because yeah, we play a back, we play a five, a two, and if you want to see it as a three or one and a two. You see how the women did it in the summer with Serena? Like loads of people like you play the same starting eleven. She played the same starting eleven yeah. for the for the six games, yeah. and at sixty minutes of every game, she made the same definite two subs, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then probably ten minutes later, she'd either make one or two subs mm. depending on 
opposition and, and, mm-hmm. and game. Do you reckon that's something Southgate can take from from that in terms of whenever you watch tournament football, Harry Kane stays on forever. Even mm-hmm. like you can start to see him fatiguing yeah. through the game. Yeah. He's lost that little yard that he needs. It's the same with Sterling <laughs> because they have to do a lot of running because only three of them really up there. Trust in the squad. So do you reckon that, do you reckon that's something they can take from the women? Yeah, in definitely. Using that I, better? Yeah, I think trust in the squad like I'm not saying shuffle the pack every game, but like you got your main guys. I think that every big team that are successful always have your mainstays. But just utilizing a squad in different areas, I think in a tournament it's so condensed in terms of time. It's at, at the pace that they play, playing the same team every game and mm. not not maneuvering here and there is crazy. And definitely in game, in game impact players are just definitely huge. We have like, so many. I like, think that's why Conor Gallagher's got gone because I he's think. been in, he, every time he's played for Chelsea this year as a sub, he does something. Mm. Whether it's not scoring, but he impacts the game, the energy, etc. Mm. But I don't know. It's, it's, we've got that many good attacking options that I'd just love to see him just go, and go out there and go, right, go on, blitz, blitz it for 60. Because I used to be one of those, like, I'm sure you, like, I don't know if we all were, but I was one of those players. Is that like, you know, when you've got a good player on your team, mm. you go, keep him on because he knows something can, yeah. something can happen, yeah. they can yeah. do something. But I'm at the point in. where like England's attack, like, that's our strength. Our strength is our yeah. attack and the creativity that we have. A part of me now is like, okay, although we know Harry Kane can get you that goal, like, at, does he need to be sacrificed at 60 minutes in games to go, let's just go for it with, with a fresher legs because well, the that creativity was my point is about, better. Yeah, I agree. but And that was my one, I wasn't really too just like up or down about the squad in terms of who he picks. Mm-hmm. It was more the, the number nine position. Like, I don't see a real big plan B difference. Mm-hmm. Like with England, we had like, we could throw on Crouchy. Mm. Mm. I mean, and you, yeah. the, the whole the angles and the, the the trajectory of the balls coming into that different. player now mm. are very different for the defenders to mm. look at, yeah. and, and a, lot, a lot of the time it they was going, "What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, where yeah. does this come from? Like, it's like a Jill Scott, but like, yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah. we've got I like next to you. I called her Crouchy, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. But we've got we've got like <laughs> we've got like Ivan Tony and um, Tammy Abraham, especially those two, who would have give us a different reference point. When we were when we were playing, if the game could have, you could have changed your approach, fire the ball into these guys, and people run off them. Not you can't do that mm. with Harry, but it's just a different type of player and, and a different type of ball that they can handle. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's just if you're being really picky. Mm-hmm. I think that the quality of the squad is so good now that actually anyone can come in. Like sometimes you think, oh, maybe there's a weaker player, or you don't want to make that substitution because someone might find that goal, but technically everyone's good so it's about actually are you going to take it's not even a risk I don't think it's a risk I think they're good enough to come on it's about that rotation and demonstrate that you've you've picked them for a reason they're good enough to be on that world stage let's go out let's go out and play do you know what it's It's like people are pressing me to pick my first 11 or whatever we were going to do that you're not going to give us on on that note real (laughs) the forward areas yeah like you just said there I could mix that forward up forward area and be comfortable with any kind Mm -hmm. of free that I put in there it's a good position to be in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, I agree. So we, ain't, mean, gonna, so we ain't gonna ask that question. About I know. Right? <laughs> okay. So anyone, great. Anyone can play. No, I mean, as a like a non-English, you know, someone that hasn't watched the England team for so long, and and seeing the shift in the mentality, I think that was incredible thing to see with Gareth Southgate and the team that he built behind the scenes. But I still see, and this is maybe a bit controversial being the only one here at the table that is not a massive England fan, but I still see England as quite conservative in how they play. Like you said, you have some seriously good, creative, fun players to watch. And yet I don't see them really taking control, whereas on the women's side you can see Ella Toon or Rousseau doing the back heel. Like, what are you doing? You know, I'd love to see more of that on the men's side. And I don't know, maybe that's just me, but thoughts on that because you have I think you have the talent but do they have a little bit of handcuffs it's, it's being on given the freedom isn't it I think yeah. that, that only comes from the manager allowing that mm. um, and, and I hope we see a little bit more of that like I said I, I think you've got to get the balance right you can't go all out yeah. like samba football and, and the reason why I said before is because I don't think our defenders individually are good enough for us yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, if we had a strong back four, two centre-halves, so you go, yeah, that's a partnership, I've seen it, I know it works, etc. You can then play a little bit more expansive. You don't have to play two CDMs maybe. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You can mm. go, and I think that was a lot of the shouts in the last tournament, why are you playing Phillips and Rice? And that held us back. But I thought he was right to make that call in the mm. way he played him because of the 
They'd be exposed. If There's they're, no yeah. even centre half though now currently that plays in the Premier League as a two a two partnership. John Stones. Does he play in the two? Yeah, they but they're expansive, two. aren't they? They're but they're not even the two. Yeah. They're so yeah. different. It's, it's a very different yeah. conversation. And he's been at right back half of the time. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's different. Like mm. I mean, even White does, but he plays as a as a fullback mm. after. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult to pair them up as a two without any exposure. They're not used to And Maguire is coming in. He come in the last tournament having been injured as well by mm. the way so he knows how to do it but this tournament's very different he's coming in with zero confidence mm. that's more of a concern than an injury for me yeah sure. because confidence is very mm. hard to build and if you're asking someone to build confidence during a tournament yeah. first game being a group stage game it's a big Hopefully big ask it's a big if he can do it I'll be delighted man but mm. it's a big ask a big risk what about any of the other teams in the tournament? Like, who do you do? You, do you rate England to win it, or do no. you have someone? Who do you, who are you backing? Brazil and Argentina, are mm. my two favourites. France maybe, but those two teams, the depth in their squad. I mean, I think France having Pogba and Kante out is there mm. in the midfield. Yeah. Have they got enough experience in the middle of the pitch? Um, Tuchel might come in and play. Who's, who's a fabulous footballer? Kamavinga may will he start? Rabiot. It's not the same as Kante and Pogba in there mm. in terms of the World Cup winners' yeah. experience. Um, that's the only area I look at them and think mm, it could hold them back. But Brazil's squad is crazy. The depth is unreal. When you Mad. think Firmino, um, is it Firmino didn't even get to go? Yeah. Like they've got a crazy squad. Um, the depth as well. The centre midfield area, like with Fabinho and Casemiro, man. Like. Two of the best holding midfielders in, in long ball game. Rio sounds like me, right? I was at an event the other day, Lloyd's Insurance. So they predicted the last two tournament winners. So they predicted France winning it. And they predicted France this time? No, and I'm going to tell you. So, they went, so I went to this insurance thing and I'm like, and we're going through and they go through the groups and they tell you who's going to progress from the groups. And they kept asking about England. I'm like, mate, we're not winning it. Like, England aren't winning this tournament. So quarters max. It, it goes through. And I, well, I was like, last 16 quarters max is, is how I was seeing it. And they're like, so last 16, England plays Senegal. They predicted England to beat them. They progress. They play France in the quarterfinals. They predicted them to beat France. Oh. So then they go a semi final with Argentina and Brazil, England against Spain. They predicted an England against Brazil final. I'm like, we're, we're getting beat. Wow. <laughs> They've only gone and predicted England to win That's the it. World Cup, right? Based, and I'm like, based so, on what? Last tournament? So it's based on, no, it's based on insurance. So it's based on like players that, like the insurability. So how much a player's worth, like longevity. Um, there's loads of different like factors around their insurance, English right? So obviously, they're valued very highly, they're valued highly right? <laughs> so what they did it in the last tournament, and France had a, a young squad when it went four years ago, when they won yeah. it four years ago. So, when they said that, I was like, and bearing in mind, I went there with my money to run to the bookies to put a bet on <laughs> the winners. I mean, and and then, and then they said, England are going to win it. That money stayed in my pocket. <laughs> what do so, you yeah, think they then? Ing- where, where, do you, where are you going? I wasn't predict. I was predicting Argentina or, or Brazil to yeah. win. Yeah, and um, and yeah. I'm going Brazil more so just based off. I mean, that that front line is crazy. Mm. I mean, they've got an aging back line. But let's not talk about age because I hate no, when age people is age to me. That's, as a player. that's the only thing about yeah. Brazil that I was thinking. Thiago Silva yeah, in back four. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Only reservation. But they're yeah. I mean, I said England. What about you? But yeah, so so England. England. Yeah, it's because it's the you team. It's, it's the team that just it's not excited. It's, it's you the, better go put your bet on that like eight to one. It's too smoky in there. The squad just it just doesn't excite me. And I was like, this is the time when actually they're just gonna keep picking up points, keep winning games, get through, and then you think they're gonna do it? Just win. Yeah, I've already booked time off for the parade. Okay. <laughs> do, do you think that most football fans around the world are also thinking England probably won't win this? So are they going to be sort yeah. of the dark horse I where it's so. like you don't have to overly prepare for them, whereas Brazil, Argentina are the favourites, and you you know you always go in a bit harder because you're like they're going to win it. They'll either win or get not even get out of the group. It's one or the other. <laughs> England. Yeah. One or the All other. right. So either they don't yeah. get out of the group or yeah. they win. You've heard I'm it sure. here mm-hmm. on Boots Balls yeah, and Rocks. So Ross. you think what finals <laughs> England. Yeah. Uh, if we get France, I don't think we go through. Mm. I was, yeah. Despite Pogba and Kante not being there, that's the only thing Still. I think. Just think they've go got, they've yeah. got players that just hurt and us. Bepay, mate, they're gonna. And Bappe. <laughs> Even though, what's there? Who sits behind Coleman. him? Who plays up with? Who plays behind him? Uh, Griezmann. Griezmann. I know he ain't been playing much, but Giroud scores goals. He yeah. Won't play, but, like, they got Benzema. 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 I was forgetting the name. Benzema. Benzema. <laughs> what about that guy that like won that <laughs> thing? You know, yeah. the Ballon. What is yeah, it? Yeah, their front line is crazy. You know, like we talk about Brazil's front line, but their front line is crazy. Like Griezmann behind Mbappe and uh, uh, Benzema. They just need to def- just park, just shuffle, park dish and wave. Yeah. Yeah. Dish and wave, catch them on the break. Literally, Earth is no, a park the bus kind of gal. What about what about um, women's World Cup coming up next year? Do you watch any of the other national teams? Do you have any? bets on that do you think England I thought France were going to win before 
yeah. I, I didn't really, I didn't, not, I didn't back England. I was asked like who would win. Was it France or Spain? Spain, you said both. Spain, you kind yeah, of were yeah, like Spain because yeah. of Barcelona, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, and then, um, but you can't look past England now. They just yeah. look too good. Yeah, they look too strong. Yeah, like they just and and the backing. It goes back to what we were talking about before. They sense and feel the backing of the country, and the next tournament that comes up, the country will wake up again to the women's national mm -hmm. team because of the euphoria that surrounded the last tournament. Mm. So that's, that's one added bonus that they've got, I think, above... Uh, I think uh, America used to have that, didn't they? Yeah, Over mm -hmm. everybody, and maybe right. Germany. Yeah. Um, but now England are on on that level. Mm. So so because New Zealand is one of the hosts, you, you also think maybe Ignore New Zealand <laughs> has it? No, 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 no. Is that what you're... Is no, that no, no, really no. What I have to be honest, I've really never seen them the play. I can't they don't, them. All they play is guitars, <laughs> yeah. they sing. They don't play, yeah, they yeah, play yeah. guitars football. maybe okay, better than see. football. Although I do have to give a little shout out to my Black Ferns, the rugby girls oh, yeah, who they won. They beat the England um, girls. I mean, what a game. I don't know if you guys watched that. I still think it should have been a sin bin and not sending off, but that's just my Yeah, that just spoiled the game. Ruined the game. It's spoiled the game. It was great. It was a great game. No, it was a little bit bitter, a little bit bitter over there. But all right, well, that wraps up our World Cup preview. Rio, thanks so much for hanging out Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I have to come back after the World Cup when we're singing about England, hopefully. Yep, I'll have my... Parade. Parade, I'll be there. If we win, can you get me back saying that that parade? We are doing a live boots, balls and bras from the parade. That would be good. That would be good. I kind of want England to win just because of that now. I promise you, I will be mowing near the mic. I will be on that stage with that glasses, champagne and all. Trust me. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot, guys, for this episode of Boots, Balls and Bras. As always, send us your questions. Let us know what you want us to hear and we will see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Ciao.